This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. If you can't fix what's broken, you'll, uh, you'll go insane. Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this succulent podcast. Oh, and I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this succulent podcast. Think of me as Michael Myers to Dave's Laurie. I like to wear a William Shatner mask all the time and he's got horrific PTSD. True. Uh, the premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests for their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel and finally their dream sequel. And of course we quite often drift off and talk about other movies or just have some good chats in general. We do have to point out we do like to drop spoilers because we talk about, about a lot of movies. Some of them are new, some of them are old, one of them very new in this one in fact. Uh, but if you don't want to hear about that, just go away, learn to ride a horse, then come back and it'll all be okay. On today's episode, we are joined by Boyd Hilton. Boyd is a brilliant film and TV journalist. He's the entertainment director for Heat magazine, contributing editor for Empire magazine, and you also might know him from the Pilot TV podcast, or maybe for his work on the BBC talking about films and movies. He also does a load of stuff for BAFTA, apparently. He does. Uh, We're very excited to sit down with Boyd and talk all things sequels with him. These are Boyd Hilton's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy. Do you remember the first sequel you got excited about? Or the first one that comes to your head? The first one that comes to my head is the clunkingly, monotonously obvious um, Empire Strikes Back. That's a good one. I mean, it's a good, it's it's a good shout. Very obvious, though, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I went to see... I was 10 when Star Wars came out, and I, and I, happened, and I was on holiday in America. My mum took me to um, Orlando, Disney World, in 1977 when Star Wars opened and I and I wow. got to see it I went to see it she took me to see it in um in 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 Orlando wow and that was quite a while before it opened in in this country back then yeah films took ages to get to the UK and in my memory it's like months it was months you know but it may not be I haven't checked so so Star Wars very very you know very excited about that when I was 10 and then because back, so it was like real world. It was like real time for me, you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, mean yeah. I wasn't just looking back at it, and it was like, so when the whole like when the whole announcement of the sequel came along, I wasn't really. Um, I remember thinking, oh, I wasn't really necessarily expecting that because actually Star Wars ends quite emphatically in a way. Yeah, yeah. So it was really exciting that there was going to be a sequel to what was already by then the biggest film yeah. ever, and um, yeah, the whole thing was incredibly exciting. I remember, and I remember going to see it the first. Day came out in Leicester Square, 
And I remember being incredibly thrilled by it. I thought, and I, I definitely, I, I instantly thought it was better than Star Wars. And I guess um, most of the time, people get overexcited about sequels, even when they're terrible, and think they're better than the original. But in this case, it clearly was better. Still is better, yeah, in my opinion. And yeah, it was very, very exciting. But having said that, now that I'm thinking about it, the first films that I ever went to see were um, like Bond films. Um, my parents took me to see me and my brother, who's a bit older than me. They used to show Bond films in double bills in the Dominion Cinema, which is now a theatre in um, in the West End. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it was like years after they came out. So obviously, you know, the first James Bond film came on, what, 62, 63 or whatever. And, but they would show, you know, the Sean Connery James Bond films mm. in double bills. And we used to go to them quite frequently um, when I was probably six, five, oh, wow. six, seven. Yeah, really young. And I remember seeing those a lot and being like, even though I was really, really young, probably too young for a lot of James Bond. There's a lot of, you know, there's quite a few, quite a lot of adult, you know, um, raunchy, yeah, raunchy moments. <laughs> um, but my parents were fine with it. And Love uh, so I remember, yeah, I remember seeing those very distinctly. And the other, the other film series that I loved when I was very young, and again, I remember my parents taking me to see these films, was the Pink Panther film. Right, okay. The Peter Seller. So I think oh. the Pink Panther came out in, again, 60, when, when did... I didn't even look up Doctor No, but very similar kind of time, early to mid sixties. Hmm. But um, they used to show them again. This is because you know I'm so old. This is but but um, youngsters they don't realise this is before even hmm. VHS, before you know laser discs and there, before home entertainment, before you could watch these fucking films at home, right? <laughs> and 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 also they would take years to get to TV. There was mm, that incredible yeah. window. What was it? Three years, I think. Yeah, yeah it um, used to take ages. Didn't yeah, it used yeah. to take years for a film to get from cinemas to TV, and so the only option, if you liked the film, that so they used to show, you know, big old films a lot in in cinemas. Yeah, like the Dominion in the West End, um, and so yeah, the Pink Panther films. I remember very distinctly. I must have, you know, could have been six, seven, eight, um, seeing Return of the Pink Panther, Pink Panther Strikes Again. I thought they were the funniest things ever. I still kind of love them actually, the Pink Panther films. So. Um, yeah, those are probably actually the earliest sequels I saw rather than Empire Strikes Back. I can't believe no one's mentioned the Pink Panther films. As soon as you said it, it like, was no, like, really? how has no one brought these up before? I love oh, the Pink yeah. Panther movies. Absolutely. I love them. And the weird thing about the Pink Panther films, because the second one is, in fact, um, a shot in the dark, isn't it? Which um, yeah, is one, so. of, if it might be the best one. Yeah. It's brilliant. Right. Shot in the dark is absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, I, I, I rewatch those regularly. Yeah. The, uh, fantastic peak peter sellers they've got a real kind of glamour to them as well they're certainly the early one like the pink panther the first pink panther film is really glamorous like um you know almost like that hitchcock film to catch a thief kind of you know hmm. french riviera glamour um david niven and then the shot in the dark is just incredibly funny because it focuses more on Clouseau. um and then but the return of the pink panther is brilliant pink panther strikes again is insanely stupid but really funny yeah so i, I do love it's really panther funny films. yeah yeah really, really i'm trying to remember yeah. how many, is, is there only four of them now no there's more than that there's there's oh, so there's yeah. oh, uh, let me there's the pink panther a shot in the dark return of the pink panther the pink panther strikes again revenge of the pink panther by which point it was getting a bit shit okay I, I was gonna ask the question when does it get <laughs> shit? yeah revenge isn't great and then after peter sellers died they carried them on they did another one using footage from earlier, which I think is like Curse oh, really? of the Pink Panther, maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, have to I think I, that seems to ring a bell. Yeah, the Pink Panther. they really milked it. I I remember watching a lot of Pink Panther with my dad because it seems to be one of his 
go-to happy films when I walked down at night when I lived at home and he would have the Pink Panther films on. I couldn't tell you which one's which. <laughs> no. They do kind of blend into blend one, into don't one, they? one but it they... reminds me of like a, a Sunday afternoon at my nan's house after we'd had a roast dinner and everyone's sort of sitting around like yeah. too full to move and watching the Pink Panther on telly. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Trailer of the Pink Panther came out in 82. Wow. Which oh, wow. was, that was made after Peter Sellers' death using scenes cut from previous films. And it is absolutely awful. It's wild. Yeah. Wild thing to do. <laughs> this is before CGI, you know. Now yeah, they're doing yeah. CGI. It's like Carrie Fisher and. <laughs> Rise yeah. <laughs> then Trail of the Pink Panther. Uh, oh, is that what I just said? Sorry, Curse of the Pink Panther managed to find another character to focus on, <laughs> which was absolutely <laughs> awful as well. <laughs> and then there was another one in '93, Son of the Pink Panther. Oh, with I Roberto. That. Sorry, with Roberto Benigni as as a different character altogether. It, Inspector Clouseau's illegitimate son. Played yeah. by Roberto Benigni, and that is a disgrace to humanity. It's I mean, rubbish. Can, it's, it's really, terrible. really bad. So, really, there's only about four good ones. Right. But yeah, they really, they really, really milked it. And then, of course, there's the Steve Martin um, remakes, which are terrible as well. Pretty mm. much, they're not good. When they start going downhill, they go, they go downhill fast. They really, they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. Do you find when you watch the film, like when you were younger and you couldn't see it for a, a while, that it held, mm. it held up better in your mind, and then you watched it, it was yeah. a letdown. Yeah, that happens a lot. Um, I mean, it almost happens with the Pink Panther. If you stand back for them, you know, then... I mean, Pink Panther Strikes Again is 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 incredibly entertaining, but it has a lot of really terrible, crass, stupid... Over. I mean, basically, by this point, Herbert Lom as... Um, as What's his name? Oh, I can't believe I've forgotten his character's name. Who's like, you know, his nemesis. Cluzo's yeah. nemesis is Herbert Lom, his ex-boss. And by the time Pink Panther strikes again, the plot of Pink Panther strikes again is that Herbert Lom's character is going to destroy the world with a laser, and he points the laser gun thing at you know um, the World Trade Center or something in New York, the UN building in New York, and and it zaps it. You know, this is the storyline of this show. This is a this is a series that started out as a quite a kind of you know almost realistic kind of caper where Clouseau is just called in to solve a robbery of a diamond. It basically. sounds like the mod- modern day version of Fast and Furious when it goes from one thing to another. Yeah, quite, a little bit. Qu- but quite that's quite a step, isn't it? You know, from investigating who's who's stealing diamonds to <laughs> the man trying to destroy the world with a laser. <laughs> you know, who's an ex-cop, you know, yeah, yeah, castle, like the castle, by the way. Yeah. Police inspector, isn't he's he? He's a like? police inspector. <laughs> um, so it got wildly implausible. And, it, and and kind of indulgent by the time the Pink Panther strikes again. But the Pink Panther strikes again is very, very watchable, if, despite all of that terribleness. But that that's it. It's over. Revenge is, is barely watchable um, afterwards, yeah. But in answer to your question, um, uh, they're obviously really good fun for kids, all mm. the Pink Panther films. Yeah. Like there's something very um, just lovely about just the whole character of Clouseau, played by Peter Sellers, which and kids, you know, like the Cato fights, which I think came in. You remember the so the character of Cato, yeah. who is his manservant who attacks yeah. him to keep him on his toes. This has turned into a Pink Panther podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was brought in, I think, in the second one, in a shot in the dark. And um, that just whole idea is very fun for kids. Like just the idea there's this man who's who, who waits for his master to enter the, the apartment to, to, to attack him physically, <laughs> and they have an extended physical fight at the beginning of every single film. It, they're really fun but then you watch them back and you think oh yeah a they've dated quite a lot yeah. you know especially mm. um again strikes again with its with its dodgy special effects 
So the ones that have dated, le- dated least, I watched a shot in the dark probably about six months ago, and it, it, that has that's still fantastic, absolutely brilliant. And probably the Pink Panther itself, which I would like to watch again actually, um, it also probably hasn't dated that much. But the the later sillier ones have, and I think mm. comedies from the seventies. This is a massive generalization, but they often date quite badly. Like yeah. the pace is often yeah. a bit weirdly slow. I, uh, films that I remember being really like hectically paced you know, mm. caper films, basically, often end up being, oh, this by, by our standards, this is a bit slow. I find that with some of the horror films back in the day as well, like Friday yeah. the 13th, some of the shots they hold in that, it goes on forever. Mm. Um, I know it sounds bad, but all the way you've described Pink Panther, the only one I really want to watch is the one where it's cut up from other films. <laughs> I know, it's worth I mean, I, I know what you mean. It is an extraordinary <laughs> idea, but they did do it, yeah. Blake Edwards, Blake Edwards directed all of them, I think, I'm pretty sure. And so it was his idea. You know, he was doing, he was milking these, this, this, yeah. this franchise for all it's worth. Because <laughs> um, often it's, you know, they, they take them away from the original director and it's clearly like a studio driven, you know, money making yeah. exercise. But he was the one. He, he was absolutely still at the helm, <laughs> you know, in all these terrible, late, um, you know, exploitative. Destroying his own legacy. Yeah, destroying his own legacy. <laughs> Let's 100%. go again. Yeah, yeah. Christ. Let's move on to your. The, the one I watched this morning, which I loved, your best ever sequel, and what is it? Well, first of all, let me preface this by saying... It's not your um, best ever that, sequel. Well, <laughs> the, obviously, the answer to the question, what is the best ever sequel, is undoubtedly The Godfather Part Two. Okay. Right? Now, I just assumed that previous guests on this podcast would have chosen it. One person. One. So one. Okay. One's, one's so enough. Far, yeah. One's yeah. enough, right? But as far as I'm concerned, it's just a fact. You know, there's no getting around it. Godfather Part Two is one of the probably five best films of all time. I think it's better than The Godfather, which itself is a, a masterpiece. It's completely and utterly has not extraordinarily written and shot and actors and everything about it is amazing. So I just discounted that because I Fair I enough. didn't check how many people had picked it already. Only one, <laughs> but, but that is like because that's one of my ten favorite films of all time, without doubt. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So um, I kind of so so put that aside. Of the rest, Mad Max Fury Road, I've gone for as the best. It's a very good choice. And I still think, yeah, thank you. I still think it's up there. It's definitely been, it might be my top 20 favourite films, I think. Um, I mean, I haven't got the list to hand, the official list. <laughs> Tell me, Boyd. Tell me all of them. <laughs> but um, it's absolute fucking cast iron masterpiece, 100%. Yeah. Are you a big Mad Max fan before this No. One? Wow. I was not. Absolutely not, no. The, my experience of this is that I don't think he even saw the original Mad Max for years. Like I saw it when it came mm, out, mm. you know, what, 1980? Something like that, yeah. Something something like like that. That. I think um, the last one was 93 or something. Rings yeah, head, and I, I never, ever rewatched it, ever. I was like, fine. You know, very low budget, the original. Yes. Mm. And then Mad Max 2, which is better. Um, I, I have seen them all. Beyond Thunderdome was like, it's like kitsch, like, bullshit nonsense it's mental. quite boring <laughs> yeah mental but a bit boring for long stretches as well i have a real soft spot for beyond the thunder Day, but only because like i watched that when i was like 12 right and it's kind of stuck right. with me were you a big tina turner but fan I, objectively it's not great <laughs> that, i mean tina turner is the bad guy that that's that's great casting right uh, oh yeah and, the, and i love the song <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah love the song. yeah yeah we yeah. need another here yeah yep yeah. i won't go into it but that well go on dave no, go on no, yeah, no. yeah um i like i just like the way she says the thunder don't like that that bit of the song is my favorite bit um but the film itself i would never rewatch. i, I would never rewatch any of the, of the the original films okay hmm. then along came fury road and i was completely i got to see fury road so this 
at a, a very early screening perks and not particularly not particularly excited about it like i was like fine you know new max film vaguely interested not not particularly bothered about the original um trilogy mm. but um i went to see a really early screening at warner brothers and theobald's road in the west end um and quite small i think there's probably only like five people there it was, they do these warners quite freak i mean all film companies do these early screenings to get a taste of what critics are going to say about it in advance mm. so you go and see it on the proviso, basically, on you have to agree you're going to give them your feedback within about a day. You know, they, they that's why they're screening it for a handful of people in advance, way in advance, to see what the gist is of what the response is going to be. So that was the situation, um, heavily embargoed. You know, couldn't tell anyone I'd seen it, and I was absolutely bowled over by it instantly. And within five minutes, I was like, "This is a fucking wild. Yeah, the whole yeah. film is absolutely yeah. insane." And I, I thought it was an absolute masterpiece, literally as soon as the film ended. And I told them so. And I remember, I, I was trying to find the email, and I couldn't find it because I think they've archived our bloody emails at work. <laughs> um, so it doesn't go back that, back that far. But I distinctly remember them saying, tell us what you think of Mad Max Fury Road. And I, and I was like, I think this is an masterpiece. I think you've got, an, it's easily the best film I'd seen that year, whatever year it was. Mm. It's it's just extraordinary. And it it, it, it bears... Hardly, any, thank God, the first three films are irrelevant, are completely irrelevant. You know, they did that on purpose. They wipe they? that yeah. out in the first five minutes, don't they? That yeah, that quite it, right. Little interlude, it's really clever. Yeah. Well, George Miller said he did it on purpose. He wanted this film to fit anywhere. Mm. Like you could watch this film right. before the first three. Right. Maybe it's a prequel. Maybe it comes in between. He didn't want people to know. He didn't want it to be in a linear order anywhere. Oh, anywhere. Okay. You know, so he yeah. deliberately wanted this movie to be like separate. Good Every job. decision that he made for that film is the correct decision. Every yeah. single the cast is perfect. Yeah. Because you've got Tom Hardy, you know, in physical monosyllabic, hardly any dialogue mode. Didn't they count yep. up his lines? Has he got like about, I don't know, like you know, twelve, yeah. Twelve like lines that. or something. <laughs> perfect. Because I love Tom I love Tom Hardy, but his strength is definitely like physical, nonverbal, yeah, yeah. you know, mm. presence. I mean he's just he just won like um kickboxing martial arts thing he's doing now. Um, like that, yeah. yeah, he so he is perfect. <laughs> Charlie Theron, absolutely extraordinary, totally they, convincing. They really didn't action. get on, did they? They, there was no, yeah. There's brilliant. There's loads of stories about how it was a nightmare to shoot. It was an absolute yeah. nightmare. It looks shoot. it though. If it looks on camera, it well, looks horrible. It does. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, but that, the other thing you think about it is how did they do it? Just how did? And I've watched all the making of stuff, you know, on the DVDs and the Blu-ray, etc. And I've watched the. I've listened. To, I've read the, the, the how they made it. You know oral histories and they're all kind of quite mature about it they're like yeah we didn't get on that well but you know we dealt with it and but you i, I can never you watch this film it's one of the and above and beyond all the kind of heavy cgi you know science fiction films set in the future blah 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 because this was almost entirely shot in camera without mm. cgi mm. i mean there's obviously cgi enhancements of course there are but you, you, I genuinely can't work out how the fuck they made this film. I, I, I'm no expert, but, you know, I've been on film sets. I've, you know, it's just extraordinary. Still to this day. I mean, how long ago was it now? It was 2017, you know, 2016. Fif- right. Was I completely wrong? 15. 15, I 15, think it, they yeah. made it. It probably came out 16, I think. Anyway. Oh, no, it came out in 15, 2015. So seven years ago. Honestly, still, it absolutely stands alone in terms of propulsive action the whole film feels like you're being you're in the racing car being driven yeah, up yeah. 200 miles an hour, and I still don't think there's been anything like it before or since. It's a unique thing, 
and it works perfectly and it's got you're emotionally invested in it yeah got like a feminist politics thing with all these women you know they're milked being literally milked by that horrendous man <laughs> yeah. um mm. it's got nicholas holt being brilliant like absolutely extraordinary character i love his character I just I, so yeah it's absolutely Absolutely phenomenal, and it should have got. It got loads of Oscars, didn't it? Like seven Oscars for all the te- one of those technical, technical Oscars. Yeah. Mm. And I'm a big Oscars head, you know. I, I and I remember thinking, watching the ceremony at the time, and people were going, "Oh, do you think it's going to win?" You know, because it was piling up back then. They did them in order, kind of building up to the bigger awards, and everyone was going, "Oh, well, it's won seven already. Maybe it's going to get Best Picture or something." And you're like, "No, it's definitely not going to get Best Picture because people are morons. The people who vote for these things." <laughs> um, but it is the best film of that year, easily the best film of 2015. It's mm. absolute, uh, I'm going to say, avoid the masterpiece word again. Go for but it. I watch it regularly. It's also, of course, the best film to test your um, home entertainment system. It's good so to know. Every time I get a new TV, I've got, you know, or a new Blu ray player or what, you've got to you test it with Mad Max Fury Road because it's so visually incredible and everything about it, the, the sound, the. My favourite scene, I think, is when they go, you know, the big storm, sandstorm scene. Yeah. And I, I remember going to see it in IMAX, you know, kind of like two weeks, a week before it came out, another screening. I think I've seen it like about 20 times. Um, <laughs> but I, I saw it about four times within before it even came out. So I'd go to, and so the IMAX screening, like that in IMAX, that's that how they did that dust storm thing where you don't know what the fuck's going on and all the cars suddenly enter that. That is just amazing. It still looks amazing now on mm. when you, I watch it on, on my big TV. Yeah. I've got to so, ask, yeah. Why did, yeah. when you were watching it the multiple times, did you find yourself watching other people for their reactions? You're like, this yeah, is... Yeah, a little bit. Wait for it. Yeah. Ah. yeah. Oh, completely. <laughs> well, especially, I do remember doing that with my friend who I took to see it at the IMAX. Yeah. My plus one. I remember looking... Because I remember preparing people didn't believe it that's the other yeah thing. i wrote a feature on it in heat my you know my day job was heat magazine and i wrote i wrote a spread on it you know in advance saying this is the most astonishing film of the year don't worry about the fact that it's a mad max film don't yeah. worry about this kind of sci-fi set you know just just you will be astonished and i have to say that with my friend who i took to see it who she'd never been seen the mad max film i she didn't give a shit about mad max films it was like why are you dragging me to this fucking film but she was like yeah okay it is extraordinary everyone mm. you see it's just a, a spectacle a, a unique spectacle i think in 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 filmmaking yeah considering how little dialogue there is between characters in this the chemistry between characters is incredibly good like, yeah. I, I know I, there's, it's well documented about like um, Charlie Theron and Tom Hardy not getting on, but they've got real chemistry though. hundred <laughs> like, percent, yeah. Generally, yeah. like you know, because they're kind of antagonistic. Yeah. So it works. It works. That they didn't get on. I didn't antagonistic. I, I pronounced really weirdly there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but they're kind of antagonists to start with, aren't they? And and yeah. in fact, most still most of the time to end with as well. So it works. It doesn't matter they didn't get on. Yeah, it, it's fine. Absolutely fine. And. It just yeah, they're both they're absolutely perfect together. Yeah, completely. Mm. I can't wait to see what he does with the with Furiosa. The the um yeah. I did. How has it been seven years or whatever, and we still haven't had a sequel to this though? Are you happy that we've got a spin off instead, than yeah. another Mad Max, or would you, in a perfect world, have both? I think it's fine. I think I think um, it's such a special, unique film that I think to rush into to have rushed into something, you know, like a direct sequel yeah. or whatever they're going to do immediate would have been wrong because you cannot you can't do this again you can't do that film again no. right it, it, it's such a it's basically a, a two-hour non-stop road 
the ultimate kind of road movie yeah at 5000 miles an hour it's like one of those roller coasters go up they get to the the bit and yeah. they're like and like oh then we're going to go back and like oh fuck here we go again <laughs> yeah yeah so what would you do you know if you're going to do a you can't you just can't do it again there's no point you can't make it back you know how like a lot of um really revived belatedly revived um film franchises i'm talking thinking of like you know blockbuster type films often what makes them work is we've now got the technology mm to make do whatever we like with this like blade mm. runner right the blade runner sequel i would say the reason why it kind of made sense almost to wait 20 years or whatever it was was because it's easier now to do all the the visual dynamism of the original blade runner that must have been an incredible challenge for ridley scott and his team but now you can do anything quite basically but with and so that made sense with mad max Fury road there's no advancement still now in the last seven years and I don't think there'll be any other advancement in the next 10 to that would make it look better mm. than it is already. It cannot look better than it is. And it cannot, there's no technology that can make it, make anything feel more effective in what it's trying to do. So I think whatever he's doing with Furiosa, a different kind of film by all, by all accounts makes sense. Just do something, yeah. same, you know, yeah. Give us, give us another thing and set in this world. Fantastic. Yeah. But anything that tried to do this again, um, would be doomed to pointlessness, I think. I do like that this is from the same director that did Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2. And then lots of people <laughs> were trying to make action films, and he's like, stand yeah. back, lads. Yeah. Babe. <laughs> I'll and show you how babe, it's done. Babe. Yeah. Babe, Pig, babe, yeah. babe Pig in the City, famously, is a brilliant film. Babe Pig in the City is, you know, is, is astonishingly good. Much, much better than Babe. But yeah. if you're doing your sequel, in, in, in sequels that are better than the original. We have um, so that. George Miller is an absolute fucking genius. I mean, his new film I did not like. Um, the he's got the one genie one. With, the genie one. Yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen it. It's it's not no. for me. It's um, but you know, but it's incredibly bold. He's he's just one of the. He just not. He he has a singular vision and he follows it through and he's uncompromising and that's what makes Mad Max Fury Road the masterpiece that it is. It's his yeah. vision for it. It's also what cinema's built for. A film. Oh like god, that. yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be seen on the biggest screen. Yeah, when you're not testing it on your home entertainment system. I went to see it in Dubai, and I went to one of those oh. cinemas that bring you snacks if you press a button. Oh, nice! And nice. you get a pillow, and mm. that's the only way I wow. could convince my wife to go and see it. I was like, "You're gonna get a blanket. Um, <laughs> we'll get some snacks and a milkshake, and you press a little button." But yeah, it was brilliant on that. Rich, you see it on the cinema, Rich? Um, yeah, I think I saw it in the cinema originally, and I've watched it like three times, I think, since. So that's it's got to be good because I don't really rewatch movies. So if I've rewatched it three times in seven years, then that's it's it's pretty good. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. This episode is brought to you by Tinder. You matched, chatted, vibe checked. Now it's time to meet IRL. So what's stopping you? Tinder is making dating safer and easier with their excellent safety features. Like Share My Date, the best way to let your friends know your plans. While Moonlight allows you to discreetly call emergency services. And Are You Sure will prompt people to think twice before sending a potentially harmful message. Explore all of the possibilities for yourself. It starts with a swipe. Download Tinder today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another little question for you mm. is what is the most, so not, the, not your worst sequel that we'll get to in a minute. What has mm. been your most disappointing sequel? So you went in really high. So it doesn't have to be bad. But just, you know, the way I describe it, this this series is, uh, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed kind of thing. Yeah. Your parents telling you off. Yeah. Well, the my, the choice that I've done is a bit like that, to be fair, to be honest with you, because I could have chosen really terrible, terrible, mm. just fundamentally <laughs> awful films, which is yeah. not the case of the one I've chosen, actually, to be fair, to be honest. But in, in, in a similar vein to the one I've chosen, I mean, this year, I really was gutted about the... Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Because I'm yes. a big, big fan of the original Doctor mm. Strange. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I love that character. I think the original um, is is a really unusual Marvel film. Mm. You know, I think Marvel films. I'm not. I'm not one of those. You know, kind of obsessive Marvel people. And I'm also not one of those people who thinks that they should be <laughs> removed from the earth. Because <laughs> you know, I'm like, if there's a good film, I will like it. Yeah. And I think the original Doctor Strange properly is just a different type of film that Marvel usually make and was a real original and i loved it i just thought this sequel was so it started fine i think the first like 40 minutes to an hour is okay then there's a whole stretch in the middle where i cannot remember anything about it now like mm. if you say to me what happens in the middle act of of that film it's, it's a basically this constant cross-cutting is my memory of it between him kind of helping his new friend the one the new young girl american shamans yeah, and then there's a whole business like up this mountain where this place is that the villain is that's kind of doing something that again and again and again repetitively. Everyone's just doing the same thing, mm. repeating themselves for about half an hour in the middle of this film. Yeah, Dave summed it up really well. Is that there's not enough multiverse and not enough madness? Oh, completely, like, <laughs> so exactly, exactly. There's no madness. There's no multiverse <laughs> madness. You're no, promised multiverse no. madness, um, and you instead you get a really quite banal, mediocre superhero yeah. film you get, you get a world where the red means go and green means stop yes. crazy wow yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah you summed it up very well um so yeah gutted i was absolutely gutted about that because i, w- I really really was looking forward to it and i love the original that's a so really that's good comes- answer that's yeah thank really- you that comes to mind that's just this year <laughs> i mean um let me think uh previous pre- i mean let me think I remember. I might just stick with that answer. Yeah. yeah. But there are loads of things. There are. I mean, there are. There are quite a few James Bond films that are massive dis- crushing disappointments, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, crushing I'm a huge disappointments. I'm a huge Bond fan, so you know. In fact, I would say until the Daniel Craig era, I mean, most of them were disappointments. I think personally, <laughs> honestly, I True. really do. Like, yeah. I think the Daniel Craig era really, really gave them a kick up the arse. Yeah. The Bond franchise. Would you say mm. there's more bad Bond films than good Bond films? Maybe. Maybe if you really are honest about it. Wow, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I did a whole Bond rewatch like a few years ago. When yeah. I got, do you remember they brought out? They brought out this kind of. They, I mean, they bring out a box set every single year, literally. Yeah. But they brought out this this quite, quite nice suitcase kind of one one uh, box set, and I remember being given it brilliantly wow. by 
HMV or whoever. I was like, oh my God, amazing. DVDs. <laughs> so I kind of rewatched them all and they, a lot of them aren't great at all. Really, really dated badly. Yeah. But still like, when, you know, The Spy Who Loved Me is dated, but it's still fantastically entertaining. But actually the ones that have dated terribly are the mid-Pierce Brosnan ones and aren't yes. that entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I think between Golden yeah. Eye and yes. Casino Royale is just yeah. bad. Bad. It's all bad. bad. Dying Out of Day is the worst thing I think I've Oh, I, I, it is. I mean, surfing but, with a bit of the. Play. I know, I know, but <laughs> the world is not enough. Is boring. It's it is really yeah. boring. You know, I saw that that somebody did. I think the Times did a list at the weekend, didn't they? Of um, the, they ranked the Bond films, and it was surprisingly really? high. The world in sight. I was like, no, no, no way, you, is it? They spend like <laughs> half an hour showing Judy Dench fixing a yeah, clock, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of boring submarine. I can't even remember. All I remember is a lot of dull submarine action. Um, isn't, isn't that Die Another Day? Oh, I don't know. Tomorrow Never Dies. They're all the same. Oh, film. maybe. You might, you might be right. I, I, they I'm do totally blur into of, one. They do blur into one. Um, so I think the Roger Moore, <laughs> don't turn it into a James Bond podcast. The Ro- <laughs> this is what we do. Uh, I, um, the Roger Moore terrible ones are much more enjoyable to watch than the the bad the bad later ones, if you yeah. like. You know, yeah, um, give me the Moonraker over. Right. Like, Pierce, yeah. Yeah, Boston ones any day. Moonraker was last <laughs> in this poll I'm talking about in, the, in this Times, and that's not right. That's just no, wrong. Moonraker no, is not. not the worst. It's got a reputation of being terrible, mm, yeah. partly because it was a very obvious. Actually, Moonraker is really, if you think about it, is one of the few actual real sequels because it is a sequel to um to, to the Spy Who Loved Me. It's yeah. got Jaws back in it, etc. So, yeah. but and it's also obviously like trying to do a Star Wars thing in space, but. It's got a lot of pleasures in it. It's got mixed incredible stupidity with some quite good stuff. Whereas the boring late, you know, as we keep talking about, Pierce Brosnan ones don't even have that. So, yeah. I would that's... rather watch Moonraker than like Quantum of Solace either. Like the you second see, Daniel Craig one. I oh. am a, I, oh yeah. I, I am a Quantum of Solace apologist. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like Quantum of Solace. There's, ah. um, yeah, I think I challenge people to rewatch it. And I did last year. It, it was rubbish, Boyd. No, I'm, the Opera House sequence in in um, in Quantum Source is really, really good. It's yeah, brilliant, the, in fact. The bad guy is just as wet as a flannel. He's just he's. I know. There's nothing to him. It feels like a, a film that which what happened to it didn't have a script because the writers yeah. blocked. Uh, yeah, true. There um, are good, there are good sequences yeah. in it. I think. Daniel Craig was yes, writing his yeah. own script. I know, I know, but. Even despite all that, I still think it. I know it doesn't make any sense, but I still think the set pieces are really good. Set pieces. I love the locations. The locations I think I said, are good. Yeah. I'm def- I would defend the opera house sequence to the. It's one of the best sequences in in James Bond history. I think the whole ending in that weird hotel place, you know, in the desert, is spectacular. I like all that visually. I think it's pretty good. Um, what about the song? Lo- what about the song? Oh, the song's um, awful. That's the Jack White one with Alicia Keys, isn't it? I know, I know, I know. Yeah. It sounds like someone putting out the bins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even hate the song. I don't love. The, I don't like this. There are worse songs. I, I love this. There are worse Bond film songs. Yeah, I, I, I like Quantum of Solace. I've seen it quite a few times, I'll tell you that. And, and I'd much rather yeah. watch Quantum of Solace, as to your point, Rich, that you originally said, than yeah. The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, or the other one I can't think of. Boyd, are you one of these? So, did you get invited to an early Quantum of Solace screening before everyone, <laughs> and then tell everyone it's a masterpiece, guys? And then <laughs> no, but I have been to. I think I've been to. I'm lucky enough. It sounds like such a poncy thing. I think I'm lucky enough to into every Bond premiere yeah. since probably well since I've been at Heat. So going back to 1999. So I think I get to see them at least a few days in advance, generally. Yeah. 
but no, not that far. But I am one of those people who gets overexcited at premieres. I, I, I so would admit I. that. So but, but I've seen them all. So I'm not, it's not, I don't, there's no reason for me to prefer Quantum of Solace to, I went to the premiere of The World Is Not Enough. I very, very distinctly remember that. And I still instantly was not that bothered about that oh, film. Okay. So it hasn't marred my taste to that extent. Brilliant. I still think Quantum of Solace is underrated. I feel like we're in a good place now <laughs> to go to your... I'm going to say worst ever sequel, but I feel like it's not your worst ever sequel. Yeah, it's it's more dis- it's disappointed. Yeah, it is. It is. But Let's I was so it. disappointed. Um, is that... it angry disappointed? Yeah. There we go. I'm angry. I'm very angry. Yeah. I mean. What is it? It's Jurassic World Dominion, which came out this year. <laughs> in fact, not only did it come out this year, it's just come out in the new extended version. Wow. With, I believe 16 extra minutes of bullshit. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> On the end of an already overlong, you know, I'm going to have to watch film. this extended version because my son is going to make me watch it. Oh, sorry, I don't I want to have to watch it again. <laughs> Can you let us know if they show more of the Jurassic World? They kept promising for like 20 years. Well, that's a good point. It's a very good point, isn't it? Because because we were promised. Yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like calling your film the Multiverse of Madness and not have a mad multiverse. Yeah, at yeah. All, you know, um, it's. The end of the previous Jurassic World film clearly shows the dinosaurs invading the rest of planet Earth, right? Mm. And you are led to believe, and we all got, and it's an exciting concept, yes. And what better way to round off the Jurassic World, the whole Jurassic franchise, than unleashing the? I know they do are a bit in Jurassic Park, in Jurassic Three, whatever that was mm. called. What's that called? Jurassic Park Three, um, yeah. basically, it was yeah. called. That's what it's called. Um, but you get a bit of them, you know, kind of landing on the mainland, if you like, in yeah. that. But the whole idea that it wasn't going to be on an island or a theme park or whatever anymore, and instead they're unleashed upon the whole world in, in general. And so well, your imagination is running right immediately. Like, oh my yeah. god, we're going to see T Rex at the in New York. And I was you know, expecting The Walking Dead, but with dinosaurs. We all were. We all were. <laughs> Rich. That's what I wanted. Of course. <laughs> and I've read the interviews with Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. Um, Trevorrow. How do you pronounce it? Trevorrow. 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 I've read the interviews. I've seen the interviews with him. I've listened to the Empire Spoiler Special podcast conducted by my very good uh, friend and colleague, Chris Hewitt, previous guest on this podcast. Yeah. I've um, watched the fucking EPK, you know, bullshit spiel <laughs> on the DV, on the extras, on the iTunes extras, etc. And all I can hear is Colin Trevorrow kind of basically saying, oh, yeah, we did promise that. But in the end, we thought, <laughs> no, we don't need to do that. That's the obvious thing to do. Instead, no. you're going to have these things in Malta a bit. <laughs> you know, have the have the um, have the what the, those dinosaurs called um, in the Malta? Raptors. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Those new versions of Velociraptors <laughs> in in Malta, and that's it. In in a kind of weird chase sequence that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it's like a born film with a dinosaur. In I was going to say, yeah, someone watched yeah. Mission Impossible and thought, yeah, oh, Mission dinosaurs in that. Yeah. <laughs> but not at all what you're expecting. And in fact, they dispense with the whole concept of the dinosaurs running riot in the world in the beginning with that crass recap of, you know, of oh, using terrible fake news footage. I the hate worst- Oh, my God, it's so badly done. You-, you know, instantly, in the first five minutes, they can't make a bit of fake news footage look real. 
you know, the most yeah. expensive budget in the fucking world. It's probably cost 250 million at least dollars. They can't make it look like actual CNN or Fox News or whatever. <laughs> Showing us dinosaurs running riot in the world. And then it becomes the same story as almost every previous Jurassic Park slash world story, but more boring and wasting yeah. the original characters in the most te- uh, disappointing way. And there's no, and, and he tries to justify Colin Trevorrow, but he failed, absolutely failed. I just think it's a complete failure of, I don't know, of every, every, like creativity, just, just going down. Just... Did they ask you your opinion on this one as well, Boyd? <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah, they did. <laughs> and what did you say? <laughs> I used to be disappointed <laughs> quite heavily, quite heavily. Did you sigh um, as well before you said, like, yeah, lads, yeah, lads, lads. yeah. In the old days, they did used to phone you actually for your feedback, and I always no, I'll, I'll email you. I'll, I'll send you my considered yeah. you know, feedback. But um, I wasn't phoned, thankfully. About, but I was asked for feedback, and I remember saying how disappointed, gutted I was about it. You try and temper it, you know. There was literally no point to bringing Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum back. Yeah, there were. They the did nothing space. for the story. The <laughs> locust. The locust can get right in the bin. Oh my god, I forgot like... about the locust. <laughs> the locust, yeah. There was no point in those legacy characters going back apart from to go, look, we've seen the first movie. Huh? Huh? Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> I find the whole thing... I'm fascinated by it. I am fascinated by it. Like, you know, I really... I'd like to interview Colin Trevorrow about what the fuck he was thinking because he kind of skirts around it a bit in, 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 in big interviews when he's really challenged on why didn't you do what everyone's expecting you to yeah. do. It, can't, it um, can't have been that hard to do either. No. I mean, well, having actually... Uh, what, what I would say is this. It, more of a... Harder to do than what they did in the actual film, mm. right? Harder... You, it does take some... It would have taken some... Uh, you know, creativity and and discipline to work out the best way, the best story to tell in which dinosaurs are running riot in on in a, in our cities or wherever. No, oh, well, they could have been anywhere. You know, Las Vegas. It could have been. You know, obviously. You know, imagine them in the the um in the Grand Canyon or whatever. You know, they yeah. would have taken a really a, a really good writer writing team and you know to to come up with a way of. Of making not not just making it a, a kind of um, indulgent mishmash, you know, and, and bringing some structure and discipline to that idea, right? It I'd have preferred to watch dinosaurs run right in Bedford than I would yeah, like hundred <laughs> percent dinosaurs in in, es- in Essex, yeah, yeah, it's been brilliant. The only way is dinosaurs in Essex. The only, yeah. Anyway, um, it would have been it would have been harder, and that's why I think he didn't do it. I think I think it is a bit of a it's a tough one because mm. you know. You, but it could have been easy. But you, it, that's what they're there for. Clever yeah. script writers and you know, storytellers. You've got a world to build, I suppose. You actually to do build. Jurassic yeah. World. Like. And also, clearly, they <laughs> wanted to bring back the OG cast mm. with the new. And that, and that, and again, how to incorporate them? I mean, but they, I mean, they didn't manage that in this film. But it might have been harder in that in in to give us what we were all expecting. But his explanations of it are just so lame as well. I, I mean, I'm and by and I hope it. I mean, <laughs> I hope it doesn't listen, I was going to say. I hope it does. I hope it does. <laughs> it's nothing against him personally, but he's made some terrible films. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I slightly he, worry. If he, if he does listen to this podcast, he's heard us slag it off enough anyway. So. <laughs> right, fine, yeah. yeah. I'll join in the Book of Henry shit as well. So. The Book of Henry is an extraordinary thing, isn't it? It really is. Has to, that has to be seen to be believed. I think. <laughs> um, so I think, I think he's fully capable of making the worst decision. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. When it comes to... Because he was supposed to do the Star Wars, you know, Star Wars film, wasn't he? It was, it was kind of removed. Wow. 
And, yeah. yeah, and I always thought that was a bad idea, but I've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think his version of um, the Rise of Skywalker, whatever it was, would have been better. I really don't. Um, no. Yeah. What is the worst part of this film? What is there a scene that really, like, really, really gets you, you know, angry? I mean, everything about Chris Pratt, you know, communing not only with Blue the velociraptor but it can now commune with any dinosaur by holding his hand out yeah mm. and everyone it does apart. it everyone does it Every, you can just now absolutely deal with all vampires by just giving showing them your hand that that is ridiculous the whole to be honest the whole climactic section back in a forest with dinosaurs is like ends up being the least you know the original is a masterpiece the way steven spielberg directed that original is absolutely perfect you know the the number of visual classic visual moments in that film not just as you know the vibrating water in the cup but there's loads of moments like that you instantly recognize when you're looking at it back iconic to use that overused mm. word there's n i cannot think of one apart from the really obvious little um homages to those mm. moments in in this in this one in dominion and even those are too much and even too, those are right forceful, they are you know, i don't mind right. that that's fine i don't mind that that's fine <laughs> but there's not one memorable visual moment sequence in this film I, I, in, in the, certainly in the second half I've got one that sticks out to me no, go all, on. for all the wrong reasons yeah. it's when they see the, like, the Brachiosaurus in the snow at the start oh, yeah. and it looks like it's floating it yeah. looks like it's so yeah. badly done it looks like it's floating in midair yeah the VFX like, are like weirdly not great yeah. are they often I've seen yeah, like it's... BBC productions for TV mm. that do better well uh, the, the Apple just... dinosaur program on Apple TV yeah, is absolutely. yeah that was yeah. astonishing yeah. When, you're, yeah. when you're you're talking about dinosaurs and I'm giving I was crying by the end of that and I had to remind myself that you know that's not actually happening um, <laughs> yeah completely yeah how do you feel about the rest of the Jurassic World series are you I'm, I'm guessing you're a fan of the original the, the big Jurassic Park Jurassic Park is is absolute let's is, go from is, is brilliant the yeah. Lost World Lost World, I think it's good. It's good. I, there's some brilliant stuff in Lost World. I love. I mean, I love Julianne Moore mm -hmm. um, in it, and that you know the the cracking glass. Oh, that whole that, thing yeah. that is so it's Spielberg. Superb. That's really good. Yeah. Superb. Yeah. And then Jurassic Park Three, the Joe Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I'm still perfectly entertaining, you know, and has some really good moments, like when they do when the when the dinosaurs do end up, you know, the dockside. I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, they take a T Rex on into the yeah. mainland, don't they? Yeah. Um, no, that's the yeah. second one. Is that the second one? Sorry, I'm getting confused. Uh, yeah, what the fuck happens in the third one then? Like, oh, the boy goes missing. Alan, yeah, Gra Alan Grant oh, yeah. yes. returns. Um, yes. There's yes. a bigger dinosaur. There's always a bigger dinosaur. There's a Spinosaurus, isn't there? Yeah. Right, the right. Yeah. Okay. And there's um, Tia Leone being annoyingly shouting her kid's name for like. Tilioni, yes. Uh, the yes. kid survives for eight weeks or something by himself. But it's not, it, it, yeah. amazing. A small child survives on their own <laughs> on an island full of dinosaurs. Yeah, you're right. Like yeah, that's two brilliant. months. Yeah, and then yeah. you get the the reboot, the reshuffle Jurassic yeah, World. Yeah, I enjoyed Jurassic which, which World, which is good. I think. Yeah, Jurassic World's good. Absolutely. Um, didn't mind it at all. Well, that was of course Colin Trevorrow as well, wasn't it? So Colin, he did a pretty mm. good job. They he did pretty a pretty good job. job on that. Well done, Colin. Let's give him credit. Uh, and then we got <laughs> J.O. Benona's. Uh, lost the, is it the Lost Kingdom? The Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Fall Kingdom. That's Kingdom, a film yeah. of two halves, isn't it? Because you've got the first half, which I actually rather like, um, yeah. where they they all go to the island and there's the volcano eruption, and then it ends with a spectacular eruption plus dinosaur attack, yeah. and trying to get them. That I found very exciting, actually. Yeah, there's me some too. brilliant yeah. shots, spectacular shots towards the end of the first half. Then it becomes this weird, like haunted house. 
film, <laughs> isn't it? Where yeah. it's like dinosaurs are in a mansion house somewhere in England. Is it in England or is it? I'm imagining. No. No? Okay. It is in America, but they've, in America. Made the, okay. they've made the New England, in. maybe. Right. Oh, there's a lot of British actors, aren't there, in it? Like, yeah, there are. All of a Toby Jones is in it. Raph Toby Spool's Jones, in it. yes. Um, James yes. Cromwell's in it. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's Australian or whatever, but yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, that was my, my fault. <laughs> but but perfectly serviceable film. A weird two-half, complete mishmash of halves. And most people much preferred the second half. I kind of, I actually kind of preferred the first. I think way. I prefer the first half. Yeah. Mm. But fine. Absolutely fine. And that's why, you know, this is, Dominion is by far the worst. It's, mm. it's shockingly, boringly bad. And I don't know why, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just it's just constant anger at how why yeah. someone didn't immediately go what were the you know the studio why weren't universal going wait a minute you're not making the film yeah. that the wait ending of the previous one promised you said the, you said exactly the right word it's boring it, it is boring it, it's it really boring. boring they even released a, like a teaser little short film beforehand like yes it was like a t-rex yes. attacking like camp rock right and that yeah. was really good, Rich. Have you seen yeah. that, Rich? I haven't seen that. No, really no, good. I haven't. <laughs> and doesn't that become? I may be wrong about this. Doesn't that? Isn't that kind of reduced to the? This is what's being shown on TV bit at the beginning. Yes, the, I think. Yes. I'm pretty and sure. And there's an attack at a cinema that all looks yeah. very cool. Yeah. And you think, oh wow, T-Rex and the, and then. I'm not going to lie to you. The the, the Lego Jurassic Park stuff that my son watches on Netflix is better than Dominion. Like... Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it. it, it yeah, I just I, I can go on about it for hours. Clearly, uh, <laughs> it is the disappointment and the anger and the fury, and that no one stopped him. No one stopped. How did he get away with it? Why, what were they thinking? What just are we going to do a mishmash of what every single previous film in another place, another forest, in yeah. another laboratory? Yeah. With oh my god, I'm just remembering now the whole storyline about the cloning of the girl is so. Who cares? Who gives a shit about that? <laughs> Especially some big reveal. I was like, what? I do not care about this whole <laughs> massive storyline. And you reminded me about the, uh, what the are they? The, the Locust. That's a completely other film, separate film. That's Locust, yeah. exclamation yeah. mark. I don't mind seeing a film about a giant locust attacking people. Quite good, quite good fun. But it's nothing to do with Jurassic Park, the Jurassic yeah. films. I want all. to see dinosaurs. Yeah, I want to see fucking dinosaurs in Maro- in a cinema or in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. If they were to do another one, how they far would. in front of the queue would you be to see it? I'm such an idiot that um, <laughs> I would be absolutely You'd first be in the queue. I'd be, be very excited. Yeah. But you know what? I have absolutely no insider knowledge or evidence or whatever of this, but my strong gut feeling is they will do another one because they fucked this one up so badly. Yeah. Well, it makes yeah, it makes money. It just crossed a billion dollar mark. But even then... I know. I mean, of course, it makes, absolutely makes money. But I, I, I sometimes think, even then, Hollywood sometimes is like, oh, we are done with it. You know, no one can face doing it again, kind of thing. Mm. You know, even even when it's made that amount of money. But I think it's the it, it's the shitness of this film that will actually lead there to be another one because I think everyone felt a massive disappointment. And in the end, Colin Trevorrow, even though people are you know trying to avoid it, you know, he must know he's let everyone down deep down. <laughs> And I he just think us. that's that's too much. <laughs> you can't go out, bow out on a massive franchise like this with that film. No, I, no. so I, I really, I strongly think. Give it five years. I would say five years time. Some really good director and creative team will go. How about we just do one more, just to show that it's you know not so shafted. And they might have one, you know, Jurassic Universe. 
yeah. dinosaurs on Mars. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I prefer that than Ju- Jurassic Dominion dinosaurs in another fucking jungle somewhere yeah. with loads of trees. Um, so I, my guess is, how about this? I'm going to get. I'm, I'm, I'm running wild now. Gone. I think that uh, what's the name? You know, the mate uh, in, in the, the the female lead in Dominion. Bryce um, Dallas Howard. Yeah. Thank you, Bryce Dallas Howard. Forgot her name because I'm getting old. I am getting senile. I think she will direct a Jurassic film. Oh, right. yeah. she's a good director. She's a good director. Yeah. She's obviously got a massive emotional connection to the thing, to the to the franchise, and she must know. She's a woman of great taste, mm. and she must know this is a terrible film to bow out on. <laughs> yeah. And so I just think I, I bet she'll direct another one. That's my yeah. feeling. I hope so. I've got another little question for you to try and trip you up. Yeah. Um, As if I what... haven't said enough things that are factually incorrect. <laughs> no, th- no, this is this is this is this is more positive. Okay. Has there been a franchise or a sequel, so a franchise three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, that you've given up early, but it it brought you back? Um, so even after the first one, you're like, "That's rubbish. I'm not going to go see a second one." And then that's a good question. Um, it's, it's like the, the, the I would the, say it's the hardest yeah. question. Or not. Yeah, we call this the, the Fast and Furious question. Yeah, um, do you know what? I, I, of course, immediately <laughs> didn't think of Fast and Furious, but then I was, I was trying to avoid saying that. I'm massively trying to avoid saying that. I mean, I'm not. I'm, Mission on, Possible Mission... Two would. Yeah, you see, I didn't hate Mission Possible Two. Well, I didn't hate I it. I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, I mean, I quite. I'm a big, quite big fan of of him. You know. Um, director what's he called oh the second john woo yeah john, john woo. woo yeah john woo i kind of like his ridiculous over-the-top operatic doves in slow motion version i mean at least that's his it's him you know what I mean? the thing about mission impossible 2 is it's it's john woo's mission impossible isn't it it's like completely 100 percent all of his obsessions and indulgences in a, a fairly mediocre to be fair film but at least it's not like bland do you know what i mean you the complaints about um, Mission Impossible 2 are it's ridiculously over the top and over long and indulgent and slow motion too much slow motion but and I love the first one I'm a massive Brian De Palma fan and he did a brilliant brilliant job with that first Mission Impossible film by the way but I've watched every single Mission Impossible film and, and I do really like them I think the last one was absolutely the last one is I was thinking of as a possible rival to Mad Max Fury Road. I like it that much. Yeah, it's great. Oh, wow. Okay, it's brilliant um, and just just visually stunning. That film it looks beautiful. I'm not even just talking about the actual you know the set action set pieces. I'm talking about the set the settings, the production design, the kind of you know the way they film the skydive right at the beginning is stunning. Mm-hmm. Like beautiful film. Um, I remember seeing that at the IMAX, uh, I think, at the premiere and just being completely, completely loved that, instantly loved that. So I, I think I like them all pretty much. I don't, I'm not, I never think I've ever been that massively disappointed by um, a Mission Impossible. I haven't rewatched two for years, but I don't. But when I saw it at the time, I remember I yeah. thought I did enjoy it. I know in retrospect, it's like pretty much terrible. <laughs> yeah. Don't go, if you've got fond memories, I would say leave it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm not, I have no again. plans to revisit it, I have <laughs> okay. to admit um and three and probably three and four i haven't rewatched for a while i don't know how I they really like three three Three's yeah. philip seymour hoffman being the philip best seymour oh hoffman yeah really good great yeah. oh yeah that was great yeah yeah all the mark there's also great masking unmaskings aren't there's there? there's a lot three. of masking in that one yeah i like the mask whole mask stuff all that stuff but the last one absolutely phenomenal and a really good example of a, of a franchise that shows you can with that much time love and effort put in to the to the script and the making and, and to coming up they they are really trying to outdo themselves all the time, aren't they? Yeah. Like that team. Yeah. 
um, led by Tom Cruise himself. I feel like he's really good at corralling everyone into doing their best. And that, and I think the last Mission Impossible film was easily the best so far. So I can't wait to see that. So that's not an answer to your question at all, is it? Because no. <laughs> I never gave up. So it probably is um, bloody... Uh, Fast and Furious. We've got to get a new question, Rich. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do... What, what are the other big franchises out there? The um, Mate, did you... Were you a fan? I, I like to... Are you a fan of Matrix? Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Matrix is... Yeah, Matrix... Did that bring you back to... Four, did you like the fourth one? Did you like the third one? Did you like the second one? <laughs> I didn't mind the second and the third. The second's got that incredible uh, motorway freeway chase, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which at least is... is That's incredible. the good bit of the second That's one. That's the good yeah. bit of the second one. I don't remember much else about it, to be honest. There's not much um, else to remember, no. to be honest. <laughs> and the third one, I, I just remember it being like, oh, like taking so long to finish. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The third yeah. one's like an entire film of The Last Lord of the Rings um, thing where, you know, it takes... 50 minutes to finish. I think everything is like, where, where was this going constantly in the end of the third one? The fourth one just felt a bit cheap to me. Yeah. Um, when you say cheap, like... we mean shit. <laughs> yeah. We didn't like it here. I hated it. I really you hated it. Really, really hated it. I gave it zero stars when we rated wow. it. Wow. Wow. Really, worse really than Jurassic really like World it. Dominion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Actually. Yeah. It was worse. Yeah. I didn't hate it that much. I quite liked the postmodern self referential stuff at the beginning. I think I liked that. You know where he's working for the gamers company that's making a Matrix mm. game, isn't he, and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think that if they just stuck with that, in fact, for like two hours, <laughs> I'd have been delighted. <laughs> when it gets to the like, yeah, retread of hoary old Jurassic, not Jurassic, <laughs> hoary old Matrix um, tropes. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's mediocre. It's very mediocre, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I didn't hate it. What about horror franchises? Oh yeah, horror franchises. That's a they're good always point. the ones that are always a roller coaster between they are. good and bad. And yeah, the Halloween are quite good. The Halloweens, Halloweens come came good. I think I think Thingy David Gordon Green Thingy. I've just I've got his. Some names come to mind instantly. Others, you know, I can't get. But David Gordon Green, I think, has done a really good job with the new ones. I have to say, even like the fir- I think the second one's better than the first. Oh okay. I've yeah, I like the second one. I think it's a bit weird and a bit kind. Of, I think the second one's less predictable than the first. The first is like kind of it goes exactly how you expect it. Second mm. one's a bit odd. Has some kind of weird like um, goes down weird avenues that you want you're not expecting necessarily. And okay. I'm looking forward to the third. I like the idea of a is it like some sound of it. It's just like, I haven't seen it yet. But I think the screening starts screening next week. But um, the idea of like just literally her Jamie Lee Curtis fighting him in a in her house seems to be the story. Um, <laughs> Bike to the death. So I'm looking forward to that. But there are some terrible ones in the middle, aren't there? Like, what's his name? That idiot um, director who I can't stand did one, did his Halloween, didn't he? Do you know the one I mean? What's his name? Resurrections is the bad one. The one with Buster Rhymes. Yeah, Resurrections. <laughs> yes. When you trick um, or treat, motherfucker. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> but I'm not even thinking of that one. I'm thinking of another one. Four, Curse, The Return. I, again, they blend. Yeah, they really do blend, don't they? Uh, let me go have a look. Rod Zombie's one. Rod Zombie. Oh, the, 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 the remake. He did two, yeah, he, in he fact. He did two, yeah. My oh. God, I don't think I've even seen the second one. But the first one, I remember thinking, this is terrible. Yeah, Halloween HCO's all right, isn't it? It is that good, okay. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, in fact, you'll go as far as to say good. <laughs> and Halloween 2 isn't bad, by the way, is it? No. Nope. And then 3, they decided to ditch it all and then do the season of The Witch. Yeah. And then they that didn't do well, so they came back to... Mike Myers and Halloween, Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I've just thought of is the um, the Hannibal films, right? 
I've just mm. just thought of this. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Hannibal Lecter as a character. I think The Science of the Lambs is a fucking is absolutely one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah, yeah. and one of my favorites that I rewatch very very regularly. I really like Hannibal, Ridley Scott's Hannibal. I if you've read that novel, which a lot of people hate the novel because it's famously in the end, basically Chloe Starling becomes his like mate and you know like almost like romantic partner, of her own accord, pretty much. Yeah, good. And people are like, oh my god, what the fuck <laughs> is happening there? But the whole stuff with him cooking the brains of um, that is brilliantly done. I remember, yeah. I remember thinking they're not going to do that because I'd read the book already, and I was thinking there's no way they can do him eat, cooking the brains of what's his name that character. Uh, but they do, they do it brilliantly. Really, Scott absolutely pulled it off fantastically well, and I think Julianne Moore does a good job of not being Jodie Foster in that film. Mm. Yeah. Then, then comes that fucking prequel. Is it Hannibal Rising? That yeah. is an atrocious monster. I've not seen that. Is it bad? Oh my god, it's terrible. It's absolutely so. That is my new answer to the question to your question about <laughs> a really bad, certainly in the horror vein. Okay, Hannibal Rising is diabolical, and it's like you know, oh, what do you think contributed to Hannibal becoming who he is? You know, it's like some <laughs> clunkingly obvious, absolutely stupid, crass nonsense prequel. It's the classic example of pointless prequel. You know, um, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I have to, I'm not. I'm not. I don't mind a prequel if it can justify its. It, it, you know, the kind of what it's trying to do in explaining yeah. um, a character or explaining a situation. But Hannibal Rising is your ultimate example of a pointless load of old nonsense. It's terrible. Let's go on to your dream sequel. So, where did you land with this one in the end? Yeah, I had two big options here um, because two of my favourite films of all time. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do both, yeah. Um, the first one is um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is, again, is my favourite Steven Spielberg film. Okay. Yeah, absolute incredible piece of work. I went to see Close Encounters. I was, um, I think I was 11 when it came out and I went to see it five times in its first two weeks of release. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, before the days of home video, really. So I knew yeah. I'd have to wait years to see it on TV or whatever. And so, I, and I just obsessed. I was obsessed with that film. It's such a beautiful, extraordinary, um, like emotional. The emotional weight of that film. I think my parents were going through divorce at the time. I'm pretty sure, if I remember rightly. And um, it's got a lot of family. You know, the family, the real, absolutely unsentimental look at family in crisis. Yeah, the yeah, way Richard Dreyfus teach treats his wife and kids in that film is unbelievable. Yeah. Unvarnished selfishness, you know, which is fair enough because he has literally witnessed the arrival of aliens on Earth. So you can kind of, you know, excuse <laughs> yeah. him a lot. But the the idea of obsessiveness that, that Spielberg captures in that film and that really brutal depiction of family life going going wrong, and the spectacle of the actual mothership. That mother, that scene, the scenes with the mothership, I never, I, were like, for me, it was like what must have been like for kids seeing, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example, you know, something, some just spectacle that you just cannot imagine. And it yeah. was so, the mothership looked so incredible at the end of Close Encounters. I loved it so much. So for years, and, and remember, there's the second version, there's the, there's, they released the second version where you see Richard Javis go into the mothership and meet the aliens. <laughs> And that I loved that. A lot of people really hated it. And then Spielberg released another version. There are so many versions of Close Encounters where he took back, he re-edited it and took back the inside the mothership sequence. 
because he thought it was too kind of um fan servicey i guess before we even knew mm. they have that phrase fan service i remember love i remember like mind blown at the idea that we we're going to see into the, the mothership a couple of years after we saw the original film so i was all i thought and i was i remember at the time when i was like growing up i was a teenager just thinking when's the fucking sequel to coast accounts going to arrive because it's such an obvious <laughs> thing to do you know yeah. oh, why God. Well, you know, I want to know what happens to Richard Dreyfus with it now that he's in an Alien planet somewhere, and I want to know what happened to his family left behind. You know, and all this there's so much stuff that you just and desperate what to know. To all those people that have been on the ship, right? Exactly. That whole time. Like everything, <laughs> everything. Yeah. But give him credit; he never did it, and and I think it's brilliant that he never did it because it is an absolutely perfect film. He's it's not a fan of a sequel, is he? But if he did not, it, Boyd. If he did it, yeah. how excited would you be? Oh my god, I would be really excited. I still, I, I'm not giving up. I think I'm completely torn as well. I'm, I, I'm literally fifty. I'm, I'm on the one hand, I completely respect and admire him for not doing a sequel to what I think his is. I think he loves that film as well. It's very, very close to his heart. From mm. the interviews I've seen with him about it. So I think it's brilliant bit of um, discipline on his own part that he's not that he's left a perfect film as it is. Absolutely, even though he did incorporate that later scene in the in the re-release but equally i think it's the most obvious of his films to do a sequel to which could be it which i totally trust in his hands would be brilliant and not a water tool betray the genius of the original so i'd still love to see it but i completely respect the fact that he's never done it and i'm sure he's not going to now i doubt it very much but it's Close accounts of the fourth kind, you know, fifth kind. I mean, the title, you know. Um, It writes itself. It writes itself. (laughs) So I'd love, I'd love to see that. And the other one is another one of my absolute favourite films of all time, which is Midnight Run. I'd never seen it and I really enjoyed it. You'd have never seen it? I'd never seen it. No, when did you first watch it? I watched it like two days ago. Oh, because of of this? Because of this. Amazing. And I I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's so good, isn't it? I mean, it is. it's, It's so good. It's a comedy caper. It's a buddy comedy caper. It's a complete um, formula on one level, but it shows you that a formula, a Hollywood formula can be completely brilliant if, again, if the script and the direction Mm. and the performances, De Niro is absolute peak. And Charles Grodin, De Niro is so good (laughs) in it. And Charles Grodin, who's sadly no longer with us, so this sequel cannot happen, by the way, (laughs) um, because Charles Grodin's dead, and I don't want them to replace him, that's all. I've got a way around that. Oh, go on. Because at the end, he says, I'll see you in another life. Yeah. So the sequel yeah. is, they're both in heaven. I like it. Wow. <laughs> High concept. He's, and he's just got to do another bounty. And it, he's yeah. gone He's gone for the Duke again. But this, basically, it's in heaven. There you go. Yeah. I like <laughs> it. You. I like it. Um, yeah. So b- before he died, put it this way, I was like, maybe one day, maybe they'll do it. And I think there was talk at one point. I've, I've read Charles Grodin's um, I think memoirs. There's been a lot of talk. There are... There yeah. are sequels, aren't there? But without oh yeah, without without them in like, yeah, without them yeah, there are yeah. yeah. There's the guy yeah. that they've got the guy that played Shooter McGavin in uh, in the um, what's his name Christopher Christopher McDonald is it? Oh yeah, good yeah yeah. He was yeah he's yeah he was in Grease too. Yes, there was talk. Yeah, that yeah that yeah and the, yeah, like, more straight to video, weren't they? That's what yeah, they're, they're like TV yeah. movies. I yeah, think, TV movies they? slash yeah. straight to video. Yeah, fair enough. But an actual proper but sequel. I don't think they count. Yeah, they're not proper. Sequels. No, they don't count. They don't count. <laughs> but an actual proper sequel. I I remember one point. I'm sure there was it was pretty heavily going to happen, and then everyone decided not to bother. Um, but again, it's perfect that there isn't because it's a completely perfect film. Not one moment absolute that doesn't that isn't just phenomenal. And that the, that 
chemistry, talk of chemistry between Charles Grodin and De Niro. Yeah. Remember when this came out, 1988, De Niro now, I guess, De Niro's gone through a weird late period, isn't he? Because there's some great stuff in De Niro's late, but there's some, he would do trash. I mean, he, he has, he <laughs> yeah. has been in some awful <laughs> shit films, right, in the last decade or so. But back then, this was a real massive turn for him because he, he was just mm. famous for being in all those mm. Martin Scorsese films and being essentially the ultimate, you know, serious heavyweight, literally in the case, in the case of Ray, you know, Raging Bull, for example, yeah. um, actor. And now he does this light, effectively quite light, frothy comedy, buddy comedy. It was a real, it was honestly, I remember when it came out at the time, I was like, oh, that's weird that he's doing this kind of film now. But his comic timing is fucking brilliant. He's, he's yeah. amazing. He is the straight man, effectively. Yeah. But he's still incredibly funny when he has to be in this film. And he has little moments, those little quips that he has throughout that are brilliantly done. And just the cast, Yafet Koto from Alien, another one of my favourite films, is amazing in this film. Yeah. And uh, uh, Dennis Farina as the main, yeah. as the villain, the main gangster. I'll, I'll stab you in the neck with a pencil, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, he is amazing. Every his every single line that he's got is brilliant in this film. So yeah, it's, it, it is it is absolutely an all time classic masterpiece of film. And I, if they'd have had everyone involved, if Martin Brest, the director, and George Gallo, the writer, and Robert De Niro and Charles Gradin had all been up for it, then a sequel to this, some point in the last. 20 years that after it came out and before Charles Grodin died would have been amazing, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the chemistry is just... Have you got kind of... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The chemistry is amazing. Have you got any kind of idea of what the sequel might be? Have you got any kind of... Like, let's say it was in 93. I think Charles Grodin, um, the Duke, in, um, in what's it called, Witness Protection, right? Mm. And someone finds out about him or something like that. And he's threatened with um, by other gangsters somehow, and then um, Jack Walsh, De Niro, has to come yeah. to his rescue, maybe, or you know, help him in some way, reluctantly. You know, yeah. doesn't does he's 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 out, he's been out of the business, the bad bounty hunter business for years, reluctantly pulled back in by by his old mate, you know, being under threat. I think that's roughly my, what I would have why I would have uh, pitched. Do you think he's got his coffee shop? Yeah, maybe he's got his coffee shop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. The dream, yeah. And then just as he's opening the coffee shop, maybe, you know, he's he's thrown back into yeah. the world of bounty. You would have to have Marvin there, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, just hey, to ruin everything. Hey, Marv! Got to have Marvin in it. Yeah. Yeah. Marvin's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, that would be... Uh, yeah, it, that'll be if more, I yeah. made you pick, you can only have one close encounter to the fourth of kind and midnight run to another run. Which one would you pick? Which one would be top of the list? Close encounters. Because I, re- I, I, I really, really want to know what happens to those characters in that film. I really mm. did, you know. And just because, yeah, your imagination runs... The, I mean, the brilliant thing about Close Encounters is that your, the, the ending is so beautiful because you're imagining what is going on with Richard Dreyfuss and these aliens. What's going to happen? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's completely given up his earthbound life to meet, to hang out with these bald little fellas. You know? <laughs> um, like, what the fuck is going to happen? It's yeah. such a big mystery to me that I think that I really want to know. And in a way, part of the reason why I guess they could never have done it is whatever answer you give yeah. can only be a disappointment in a way. Yeah, so the poetry of it is that you don't know. He doesn't know what he's letting himself in for, does he really? No. They could be torturing him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Probing him. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, yeah, I think I think Close Encounters is is the one.
Those were Boyd Hilton's Unequal Sequels. What a thoroughly nice chap. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to Boyd. The man loves movies. He does. He really loves movies. It was really nice to go off on some really rambly tangents about movies as well. I'm not sure how much you've kept in the edit, Dave, for how much we actually talked about, but we talked about a lot. <laughs> I think it mostly stays in there, because if a film gets mentioned, we mainly talk about it. Even if it's not a sequel, we do like to talk about those films. Mm, because... Definitely. You know, we love films and they're, and they're good chats. And um, talking to Boyd, yeah, he's seen a lot. And it's interesting talking to him when he's seen the films early, like he did Mad Max, Fury Road and, and Jurassic Park yeah. Dominion and stuff. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that chat. It was really entertaining. It's really fun talking to people who, like Boyd, are just passionate about film because you can just let them go. Mm, definitely. Like we, don't, we don't have to hold hands in this one. It's like, oh, he's off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Off. We just just sit here in silence for a bit and, and it's, let him it's talk. Great. It's my it's, favorite. It's my favorite kinds of podcasts. These are absolutely. And I got to watch Midnight Run, which I've never seen before. Yeah, I didn't you enjoyed know how it, right? good that movie was. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So it sort of set the template for all those for a lot of kind of buddy road movies that you tend to see. So like, yeah. there's the there's Due Date, which is like the Robert Downey Jr. one. Or there's like oh, yeah. planes, trains, and automobiles that kind of made me think of that a I little bit. That yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, so yeah, loads of kind of really cool movies that you can see were inspired a little bit by this one. And Robert De Niro being funny very early on in his yeah. career. Yeah, turns out Robert De Niro was always funny. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Right? Who knew? And Close Encounters was Aussie's dream. We gave him a pick between the two, and he would prefer Close Encounters hmm, over I think Midnight so. Run, but. And you'd like that as well, wouldn't you? No, uh, no. I'm not a massive fan of Close Encounters, if I'm perfectly honest. Oh, yeah, like, it's beautiful. I know it's beautiful, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as into the kind of alieny stuff. Maybe I don't know. I prefer, I prefer Midnight Run to be yeah, honest. Yeah, Midnight Run is great. And his his best pick was Mad Max Fury Road. Great. Uh, while work, yeah. While working on this episode, I was trying find the quote a quote from mad max to be honest uh, and i just ended up watching lots of scenes again from mad max Fury Road because they're really good. They I like, well, really good i should just watch the film again again after watching it for boyd <laughs> oh man it's such a good film i love it it's so fun and just action 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 mm. they stop and go hey we have to turn back and then it goes action 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 <laughs> again and it must have been hard to find a quote because it's not a lot of dialogue in that movie no, I, yes, there is a quote I've gone for. I didn't want a quote from the worst pick from Jurassic Park Dominion. I thought it was too early to try and pick that. Plus, I can't, I couldn't even think of any. No, it's quotes. really bad. It's a really good choice for a worst sequel, Jurassic World Dominion. I love um, how angry it made him. It did make him angry. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah, and rightly so. Rightly so. It's a terrible terrible end to the franchise it's a wasted opportunity of actually mm. seeing dinosaurs walk the earth yeah where is that where is the... oh. i want to see that film i, I want to see that sequel that might one day be my dream sequel mm. but i think about that once we get to the 100th episode <laughs> yeah yeah hold that one in <laughs> yeah yeah but great chat boyd thank you for coming boys you were brilliant yeah absolutely we really enjoyed it if you really enjoyed it and i hope that you did then we've got loads more interview episodes with loads more great people for you to go back and listen to three whole series and this is only episode two of series four so there's loads more this series whilst you're going back and listening click the little subscribe button click the little automatic download button and we'll drop into your little pod player of choice every single week when a new episode comes out we also do a little friday extra episode too so you can 
click on that and you'll get that it's just a little bonus and what we really like is when people tell us what they think about the movies so if you want to let us know what you thought of boyd's picks if you think there's any controversial opinions that we had maybe you really love jurassic world dominion and you want to let us know we'd really like to hear from you because you probably need to get some help um but <laughs> you can you can contact us on social media we are at unequal sequel on twitter and instagram you can also send us an email we are unequal sequel hotmail.com or you can visit our website unequalsequel.com good job yeah. mate. good job i was going to say also while you're there if you want to give us a little like little some little kind of heart little tick write us a little review we'll just really love that that'd be nice thanks oh yeah brilliant you're really good at this now <laughs> now it's only taken <laughs> a year and a half <laughs> uh, i've got nothing to say apart from yes thank you for listening you you lot you lot are brilliant you know, so keep up the good work of keep listening in. Uh, so it's a haru from me. That's uh, apparently uh, goodbye in Australian. Oh, and, right, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. Trying to reach out. And it is a goodbye from him. Bye. Go and do the washing up. It's been lovely. Bye-bye. I've got a dishwasher. Just does it for me. I don't. Yeah. Now I'm jealous oh, of everyone. Yeah. Get a dishwasher, mate. Change your life. Bye. Bye.